the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. Hour number two underway now, nine minutes past ten o'clock. Thank you for joining us as we continue on this Thursday, the 26th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord 2020. Again, thank you to Jim Simpson and to Brandon Darby. Uh, I'll give you the information about their webinar coming up on Sunday night again uh, before we're done today. And hopefully again tomorrow, so that you remember going into the weekend. But as it is a Thursday at 10.10, we know what time this is. It's time for Dr. Everett Piper to join us. Dr. Piper, of course, is the past president of Oklahoma's Wesleyan University. He is a best-selling author. He is a columnist for the Washington Times. He is a nationally recognized speaker and pundit, and he joins us each and every Thursday at this time. Dr. Piper, good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing great, Bob. I hope you are, too. I am as well, and uh, I got to tell you, um, Dr. Piper, I continue to brim with optimism as we face this health crisis, and moreover, if not more importantly, because it also has to do with health, the economic crisis, I'm optimistic. Our president is optimistic, and that is driving the left crazy. I find this to be something that is so very frustrating that we are trying to see the glass is half full. We're trying to see that uh, experimental uh, uh, treatments for the coronavirus, such as the hydroxychloroquine and the chloroquine uh, combined with ZPAC, that these things might be the game changers that President Trump said they might be. And every time he tries to shine a positive light on, hey, the end might be in sight, we're going to target maybe Easter as getting America back to work again. If things are right on the ground, if you will, he never made any promises. But every time he tries to see, you know, the, the silver lining in this dark cloud or see that glass as being half full, the left just goes crazy. Um, you wrote about this. You wrote about the power of positivity. 
You wrote about Ray Comfort's book, Spurgeon Gold. I read that article, and I loved it, because you talk about it's very inspirational. And one of the responses on Twitter to your tweet about your article, your column, came from a guy who said, guys, you can't positive thinking away a virus. Signed, Jeff. Uh, Dr. Piper, what more can we do than be positive rather than just wallowing in the misery of all of this and assuming that the world is coming to a rapid end? When people say stuff like that, um, my immediate response is sim- a simple rhetorical question. Did you read the article? <laughs> I mean, my land. The article I wrote was not uh, some sort of Norman Vincent Peale-ish power of positive <laughs> thinking that you can just name it, claim it, and be done with a disease. That is not the point. In fact, the point is, referencing the 1854 cholera epidemic in Great Britain, when Charles Spurgeon walked into the midst of chaos, into the midst of the disease, into the midst of the pandemic, and served as the body of Christ called him to do. In the midst of that, he took advantage of the crisis, <laughs> Rahm Emanuel, if you will. He decided, uh, as a Christian, I will never let a good crisis go to waste. This is my time. This is my call. I am salt. I am light. I am the body of Christ. I am going to redeem this moment for good. As Joseph said in the Old Testament, What others intend for evil, I will redeem for good. What Paul tells us in the New Testament, all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord. I am going to step into the midst of this mess, and as he said, this is a quote from Spurgeon, um, faith appropriated, I felt secure, refreshed, girt with immortality, I went on with my visitation, in calm and a peaceful spirit, I felt no fear of evil, and I suffered no harm. I would argue, Bob, that the body of Christ, the Church, has been promised by Jesus himself that the gates of hell will not prevail against us, and that eternity as our measure, it is our job to step forward with a positive attitude, because our faith and our confidence is not in hand sanitizers, but our Savior, and it's our opportunity to show the world what love and joy and peace truly look like to show our neighbor and to show our city and to show our nation that even though we walk through dark valleys, fear has lost its victory and death has lost its sting. Be the body of Christ, the arms, the feet, the voice of Christ, and stop cowering like little children in the corner. Be men. Um, was it, um, who said, was it pain? Who said, these are times that try men's souls. Maybe it wasn't pain, but these are times that try men's souls, but these are also times that beg for true men. Be men of courage, not cowering children. You know, Dr. Piper, I loved that line, by the way, and you included it in your article, uh, whether it be a bad market or a bad disease, lovers of Christ should be the first to show the world that our security is not in hand sanitizers, but in our Savior. And I'm glad to hear you repeat it, as well as, and when I read this in your article, the line uh, in which you quote Spurgeon, well, you quote Comfort, quoting Spurgeon in the book, don't let this crisis go to waste. Obviously, you know, your first thought goes to Rahm Emanuel, but it's 
for entirely different purposes. Rahm Emanuel, of course, meant that very differently than Spurgeon did because the opportunity in a crisis is to stand up and show up and and, and be what God wants us to be. This doesn't mean that we're going to pray away a disease. It means we're going to serve mankind. We're going to serve one another. We're going to do everything we can to stand up and help one another as God would have us do in a terrible time of strife. Don't strife. Don't let this crisis go to waste. Is a, is a positive thing in the way that Spurgeon meant it. Oh, absolutely. Um, every good lie has a great measure of truth to it. I'll repeat that. Every good lie has a great measure of truth, or we wouldn't even attend to it. So when Rahm Emanuel said, never let a good crisis go to waste, even though he intended that for nefarious purposes, I would argue, there's a great measure of truth in that lie. And the body of Christ needs to redeem the truth. We need to have confidence in the truth. We need to recognize that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father. No one experiences true and ultimate and eternal freedom other than through that truth of Christ. Never let a good crisis go to waste. It's our job to redeem and to reclaim the crisis for the ultimate glory of the kingdom. Abraham Kuyper was very famous for arguing that all things, all things that we endeavor, everything for good or for evil, should be reclaimed by the body of Christ for the greater good of the kingdom. And, you know, I want to follow that and buttress your point here. This isn't quite as uh, biblical or or as, uh, as prayerful or as service-oriented as what you are talking about, but I think the, the point is the same. This was posted by, uh, tweeted by a college football coach that I follow. In 2030, College Kid says, In history class, we learned that the COVID-19 pandemic of 2020 was really bad. What was it like? parent says, well, everything was shut down in an attempt to kill the virus, but not everyone followed the order to quarantine for 15 days, so it lasted longer than anyone expected. Many people died who shouldn't have. Grocery stores were out of everything because people were hoarding as much as they could. We were scared of economic failure for our country and for ourselves because we couldn't work. Don't you remember it? You were eight. College kid says, all I remember was the school closing and uh, us being homeschooled. I remember doing scavenger hunts in our yard. I remember eating meals as a family for a change. I remember getting great sleep because I wasn't up late for homework or getting up early for school. I remember board games as a family. I remember watching our pastor on our laptop. Honestly, it was the happiest time of my childhood. And Dr. Piper, that might not be in the same uh, era, uh, area of service that, that Spurgeon talked about and, and, uh, you know, it was, was that you related from that book, but it's, it's, how you view the crisis can matter. It matters so much in how you survive the crisis. Oh, there's no question. There's no question. Um, the media, and I'm, okay, I'm going to blame them. I'm sick and tired of the mainstream media. I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of this Orwellian attitude that they can train, that they can train us to, uh, like Pavlov's like dog, to salivate at their will. We need to resist that and recognize that this massive hysteria of international groupthink has to be resisted, that we are people created in the image of God with the capacity and the responsibility to act like it and not like, act like a bunch of dogs that can be controlled by bad news. We need to recognize our responsibility 
to be positive, to redeem things rather than to cower before things. Dr. Piper, this is uh, this is, I agree with you on everything you just said about the media. I get so frustrated with it and so many examples of it, their, their willingness, in fact, their desire to see the negative and to try to tamp down the positive, all in an attempt to advance their narrative and perhaps their agenda when it comes to politics. And, uh, and that includes trying to kind of quash uh, the ideals and uh, the expressed uh, positive vibes trying to be given off by the clergy or by people who are just people of faith who think that uh, actually believing in God and turning to God for uh, comfort in this crisis is the right thing to do. And it is uh, it is reprehensible. We'll use that as our break here. Take our time out now at 1020. Dr. Everett Piper back with more thoughts after this on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1023, we continue on AM 1420, The Answer with Dr. Everett Piper. Okay, Dr. Piper, I just read that um, that little uh, blurb from uh, the college coach who talked about uh, the future in 2030, a college kid looking back at this time and saying, I actually enjoyed this time because we got back to family and we did things we didn't normally do. And uh, what a great article you turned me on to. It was a Breitbart article, ironically enough, and I was talking to a Breitbart uh, writer uh, last hour. Uh, but um, this article featured actress Sam Sorbo, who is talking about the coronavirus as the impetus to rethink education in America. Homeschooling is something that many people have pushed and touted, especially those of us concerned with some of the indoctrination going on, even at the elementary levels, let alone middle school and high school, that parents who really want to control uh, how, their, how their children are taught and what they are taught, that might want to consider homeschooling. And now that everybody is virtually homeschooling their kids, at least making sure they're in front of their screen so that they're doing their online lessons, um, this is an opportunity. This is a golden opportunity to really connect with your kids and their educations in a way that was never seen before. Your thoughts? Uh, Sam is a good friend of mine, by the way. And when I say good friend, I don't mean that hyperbolically like uh, the Senate or the House going to each other's <laughs> good friends. I've actually, um, Sam was a commencement speaker for me at Oklahoma Wesleyan University. She's a, she's a good lady, and she really understands the value of homeschooling and home education and parents taking control of the ideas that are inculcated and planted in your children's minds. Ideas always have consequences. And one of the reasons we're suffering this hysteria right now is terrible ideas that have been taught in our schools. In other words, the government can solve all your problems. Socialism is the answer. And what are we leaning toward right now? The only solution that we seem to be able to see to this dilemma is government. And we, nobody's talking about God being the solution. Nobody's talking about the family being the solution. Few people are talking about the home being the solution. Even conservatives are leaning toward government solutions. You know, there is a, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a segue to a Wall Street Journal column that came out yesterday where they're suggesting that the data that's coming out right now shows that the virus is much less lethal than anyone Suspected. So it's good news, right? Now I'm going to ask some hypothetical questions. Is it possible that we have just seen how easy the entire planet can be manipulated by the lies of a world state such as Huxley and Orwell warned of? 
we can be ruled and manipulated by a handful of elites. elites. What if it is this? What if it is simply the, a test case to see just how quickly a modern society will set aside its freedoms, its rights, and its, its dignity for temporal promises of safety and security and health? What if the smoke-filled rooms of Orwell's oligarchs have purposely created a brave new world via a microbe that we can't see, but really it's a virus that spreads much more efficiently online than it ever would in the air? I could go on and on. What if, what if, what if? Now, some people are going to say, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. You're suggesting that this is all, all a lie. But what if it is? Do you really think that even if this is a real disease that has real consequences, that the, uh, that the smarter than now folks in Brussels and in Beijing and in Washington, D.C. aren't watching right now and saying to themselves, my, how easy was it for us to control the entire globe of nearly 8 billion people through this virus, quote-unquote, without firing a single shot. It's, it's, a, it's a very difficult thing to grasp. Um, I don't believe it's a conspiracy. I don't believe that all of the doctors are acting with political motives or one-world government motives or Orwellian motives. I do believe it has been exacerbated. I do believe it has been exaggerated by the media and by some of those for various reasons. Um, but be that as it may, a measured approach is a responsible approach, in my view. And, and you know, confining people to their homes can have perhaps unintended great consequences, as we talked about with homeschooling and so on and so forth. But it also does uh, take away liberties. And, and that is the very fine line that I, I don't know that any of us really have a real grasp of how far over that line we need to go in areas of protection versus in areas of liberty. And you know what? I'll protect myself. I will do what I need to do to protect myself. And I think that's the uh, the difficult thing for all of us to grasp at this time. Well, I agree. And again, I'm not suggesting necessarily that this is a, a, a conspiracy. What I am saying that I think is irrefutable is this is mass hysteria. And that those who are watching, who may have nefarious purposes for power rather than just to live by principle, are recognizing how easy it is to control people through fear and through propaganda and through the media. Um, There's a great quote, and I'll close with this. It's from G.K. Chesterton, prophetic as always. And he says this, After the age of utopias came what we may call the American age. It went with a... uh, Buoyant optimism where men thought they had solved the social riddle. But the optimism turned to pessimism, for the slump has brought even more disillusionment than the war. A new bitterness and a new bewilderment runs through all social life. The brave new world is more of a revolution than it is a a utopia. And Chesterton said that a hundred years ago. A hundred years ago, <laughs> can anybody say profit? Brilliant. Uh, what a brilliant quote to end on. And you're right, prophetic indeed. That is very, very well done and a great way to end the conversation. Dr. Everett Piper is with us every Thursday. Doctor, tremendous conversation and analysis as always. I appreciate it, and we'll talk to you again next week.
Blessings. Stay safe and healthy. Thank you, sir. That's Dr. Everett Piper. He does it uh, like few can, I can tell you that. That's a great quote to end on. Uh, I love biblical scholars. I do, by the way. That wasn't the Bible he was quoting at that point, but he does it all the time. I love biblical scholars. Um, I'm amazed at them, how they can quote chapter and verse for every moment in time that is necessary. It is just a great thing to, uh, to be able to do. I know I could never do it, so I appreciate those who do. 10.30, time for the news. We'll come back, and we are guest-free for the final 30 minutes. That means dial now. You'll get on the radio, 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. The Bob Barron's Authority, back after this. Ten thirty-eight. As we continue, AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Doctor Everett Piper uh, said something in his conversation with me last half hour that I found really interesting. When he just said, "I'm just going to call him out. I'm going to say it. I hate the media." And uh, did he say hate? Did he say hate? I don't know. Maybe he didn't say hate. Uh, he said, "I'm I'm tired of the media. I'm disgusted by the media. Something in that vein." And uh, and I concur. How many times have you heard in the last? 72 to 96 hours, that's three to four days, um, that Dr. Anthony Fauci has, been, or Fauci has been fired by Donald Trump from the coronavirus response team. How many times have you heard the media tell you that Dr. Fauci cannot stand working with Trump because he is always contradicting Trump, and the Trump is always spreading misinformation? And the Trump is fighting his science. How many times have you heard that from the media in the last probably three to four days? Especially since Dr. Fauci was not at one of the daily briefings that President Trump uh, usually accompanies. In fact, in all of them, he has accompanied Vice President Pence and the coronavirus response team to these press conferences. Uh, Dr. Fauci missed one. Oh, that means clear. Clearly, Fauci doesn't want to be around the president anymore. Fauci doesn't trust the president. Fauci doesn't want to have to uh, continue to clean up the president's misinformation. Fauci has been fired, et cetera, et cetera. How many times have you seen and heard that? This is what we mean and what we talk about as it pertains to the media being an enemy of the people. Well, in the past 24 hours, as uh, uh, quoted by Larry O'Connor rather, in uh, Town Hall, Dr. Anthony Fauci has repeatedly told everyone who will listen there is no foundational difference between himself and President Trump and how to deal with the response to the Wuhan virus. That the president has never overruled his recommendations. And that he wished the media would stop trying to pit him against the president. And now, we learn that Dr. Fauci would prescribe hydroxychloroquine to a patient if he were treating them for coronavirus directly. He doesn't see patients directly, of course. He is now a medical advisor and has been for a long time. He has advised many presidents, I want to say going back to Reagan. And, and he has no political bias. He is just a doctor giving his best advice, especially when it comes to infectious diseases, epidemics, and pandemics. One of the most despicable political sideshows of America's media, American media's failed coverage of the COVID-19 pandemic is the endless and relentless insistence that there is some kind of huge disagreement and even hostility between President Trump and Dr. Fauci. The false reporting began in February when the task force was first formed. The New York Times reported on February 27th 
that communications with media outlets regarding the government's response to the outbreak would be coordinated through the vice president's office. Fairly common, by the way. This was interpreted by the White House press corps to mean that Fauci was being muzzled. (laughs) NBC News extrapolated the Times article into the despicable headline, Is the White House starting to censor public health officials? Two days later, at a press briefing coordinated by the president, NBC News attacked the president and accused him of silencing the doctor, who happened to be standing next to him. I'm just going to ask you directly about this with regards to the flow of information. From the very beginning, you received a lot of criticism regarding that, said an NBC reporter, in particular about Dr. Anthony Fauci. He is well-renowned in contagious diseases, and there were reports out there that he was being muzzled. Can you tell us that this widely regarded expert, Dr. Fauci, will have every opportunity to tell us the truth? You see how that works? Trump can't be trusted with telling us the truth. Will he let Fauci tell us the truth? What did Trump do? He stepped away. After correctly characterizing the reporter as very dishonest, he stepped away and let Fauci go to the microphone. Who stated at the time, I've never been muzzled. And I've been doing this since Reagan. Oh, I was right. I knew I had read it somewhere. This was a real misrepresentation of what happened. But this is what the the press corps does. They try to do everything they can to try to harm the president, try to call the president anti-science. president calls a day of prayer last Sunday, and the left says, oh, he doesn't believe in science. He just believes in praying the disease away. He doesn't believe in Dr. Fauci. He believes in, in, in prayer. It is just such nonsense. On Sunday night, I brought this up also, on Sunday night, uh, Dr. Fauci appeared with Mark Levin, and Mark Levin uh, asked Dr. Fauci about his relationship with the president, and Dr. Fauci said very directly to Mark Levin, there has never been a time that I have told the president, this is what I think we should do in the interest of the science, meaning this is what the science tells us we should do here, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, that the president didn't say, let's do it. The president always defers to Dr. Fauci and always refers uh, to and and defers rather uh, to the science of it all. But the left won't let you believe that. So I'm with Dr. Piper. I'm tired of the press. I'm tired of their trying to destroy the president. I'm tired of their their negativity when the president tries to be positive. And that part of the story I just told you where Fauci said he would absolutely prescribe chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine. Two patients, if he was treating them, suffering from uh, the coronavirus. That should be a big slap in the face to every liberal in Congress, every liberal liberal Democrat on social media, and every liberal Democrat in the press who said that the president was offering false hope. The president was offering false hope over a drug that hasn't been tested yet. Offering false hope in dark times unauthorized false hope, saying that chloroquine might actually help. How dare he? How dare he think that it may help? Well, here's your doctor, the one everybody says that Trump should listen to. Dr. Fauci says, I would prescribe prescribe chloroquine to patients suffering from COVID-19. When will the media walk back their criticism? When will they walk back, the president doesn't believe in the science. Why doesn't he listen to Dr. Fauci? Dr. Fauci is telling you exactly what the president told you. 
Matthew is in Medina on AM 1420, The Answer. Morning, Matthew, Bob. thank Thanks you. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly. Uh, on this uh, subject with, these, uh, with this uh, drug that they're supposed to try to use and uh, they may use for uh, this cure, uh, you may have heard this, but the guy that drank the fish tank water, yes. fish tank cleaner, yes, you heard that one? Yes, I did. President Trump was blessed. He was blamed for that. President killed that man. Can you believe oh, yeah. that? Oh, yeah. This is just absolutely... I am 93 years old now, and I am boiling right now when I see what's going on in this country with that. And mon- on Monday, I won't take too much more time. Monday, I call Pelosi, uh, Schumer, and Claire, uh, Jared Brown. And, buddy, I unloaded on them guys. And I told them really what I thought. I'm not going to mention what I, my language over the phone, but I can tell you uh, that uh, they know who I am. So she sent me a letter, uh, Nancy did, to my address. And uh, I opened it up, and it was from the National Democratic uh, Demon Rat Committee, mm-hmm. and uh, their pictures and everything was in it. So you know what I did with that letter? Do you remember when she sat behind our president and tore up <laughs> that speech. I do. Well, I took that letter and I sat at the kitchen table and I tore it up in little pieces, mailed it back with the attention Pelosi on the outside of the envelope. How does she like it? How does she like it? And just give her a little bit of her own medicine and uh, some of those things that, I, that they put into this bill I don't like, but... Uh, we got at least we got most of what we wanted. Yeah, we can't let we can't let the small amount of bad in a bill like this outweigh the extraordinary amount of good that is in that bill, and that is getting money to the American people and to small businesses so they can survive this economic calamity. And uh, I agree wholeheartedly, uh, Matthew, my friend. God bless you. I appreciate your phone call. Thanks for sharing. For those who don't know the story he was talking about, I think most people do. But um, you did see this, right, that uh, uh, there was a man who said, uh, or he and his wife apparently decided, chloroquine, I think we have some of that. Let's take that. They weren't even sick. They took it as a, as a preventative medication or what they thought was a medication. It wasn't a medication because chloroquine, uh, it, it comes in different forms. There was a great response to this as... The caller pointed out, the left blamed President Trump practically practically for killing this man who took chloroquine and died. But what the press wouldn't tell you was that he didn't take the medicine version of chloroquine. He took something else. Greg Gutfeld told this story on Fox, and I think it's worth two minutes of our time. That is what Greg wants to say. You probably don't need any more evidence that the media is a joke, but I got some anyway. Apparently a man died after eating a chemical used to clean fish tanks. It made the news. Why? Well, he did it to prevent coronavirus, but also it could be blamed on Trump. BuzzFeed, The Hill, NBC, even Forbes claimed he took a drug that Trump had touted. An NBC headline says Arizona man dies after ingesting chloroquine in an attempt to prevent the coronavirus. Not really. He took something else, chloroquine phosphate, which is deadly. It's like mistaking sodium chloride, which is salt, and sodium hydroxide, that's lye, the stuff that eats your flesh. It's so close. Here's a quote from the Forbes piece. 
When President Trump incorrectly announced that the FDA had fast-tracked approval of the drugs chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine for treatment of COVID-19, he added, the nice part is it's been around for a long time, so we know that if things don't go as planned, it's not going to kill anybody. Except it did, adds the writer. Well, no, it didn't. Like the guy who ate the fish tank cleaner, the writer replaced the promising drug with something worse. And why? Because it fits the narrative. Trump killed someone, finally, and he didn't even shoot him on Fifth Avenue. This isn't just normal Trump derangement. It's derangement that might cause people to avoid treatment out of fear. Look, all drugs carry risks, and the companies put them on the label. Maybe it's time for the media to have a warning label, too. Warning can be mistaken for truth. Only take with a grain of salt. Brilliant, brilliant uh, uh, takedown of the uh, left, left-wing left media that is calling the president responsible for some idiot taking fish tank cleaner and thinking it's medication. Unbelievable. Let me get another one in here before the break. Tony in South Euclid. Tony, go ahead. Yes, hi, Mr. France. Thanks for yes, taking sir. my call. Yeah, first of all, just three real quick things. They should change that name so it doesn't sound so familiar if it's a drug versus a chemical. They should consider that. Second of all, I like Mr. Piper's uh, information. I just wanted to add to that uh, because Einstein, one of his famous sayings was, don't invest in the world, invest in yourself. And Jesus Christ, as we remember, uh, has a great saying, or which is in the Bible, give away your possessions, which today is less is more. So we need to take account, I think, more of ourselves and worry about ourselves more than worrying about what everything else uh, uh, that's happening in the world with this uh, negativity and the government and everything else. Um, I've read a lot of books. Uh, I read the book Norman Vincent Peale and Zig Ziglar and a lot of the motivational speakers, and I'll tell you what, it really uh, opened your eyes, and uh, I appreciate him coming on and, and presenting that. That's yes, all. sir. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate it. Yeah, I agree. Dr. Piper has uh, a lot of uh, great things to offer, and I also <clears throat> agree uh, with so much of what he had to say. Let me get our final time out here so that we can come back in and get a few more phone calls before the top of the hour on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten fifty-five, final segment of the broadcast. Let's get a couple more calls in before we're done. Lisa is on the air in Medina. Hi, Lisa. Go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Hey. So um, this is Lisa from Medina County Friends and Neighbors. So, of course, you know that um, all our meetings had to be suspended for now. Mm-hmm. Um, Claire had, was uh, scheduled to speak this Saturday, but, of course, you know, when things hit, um, she called me and, and she, uh, really, um, felt bad that she wasn't able to come and she wanted to make it clear that this is only postponed and as soon as that we can re- reschedule, she will be back and awesome will be hear. here to speak with us. Yes, yes. So much going on. Um, I want to remind folks that while all this craziness is going on, that it's still a great time to get things done and while the government's um, being urged to go down to the bare minimum, some great things are are happening. There's some real great silver lining on the school front. Um, thanks to House Bill 197, 
um, for those that are, you know, kind of um, <laughs> education geeks like myself, um, what they've done is they've waived the state testing and report cards for the 2019-20 school year, creates a safe harbor for sanctions for schools, permits seniors to graduate if determined to be on track. Um, um, that's so great it, to know. Gonna... That That's important. <laughs> I hope people don't, under, don't underestimate that because a lot of people are wondering, and a lot of schools are wondering, what are we going to do about finals? How are we going to give a final online? How are we going to, you know, uh, how are a uh, student's GPA is going to be determined if the last time they were actually educated in a school and tested in school, et cetera, by standard methods was, you know, back in February uh, or, or early March or whatever the case might be, uh, you know, and how's that going to impact people who are going to college and who need certain GPAs? All of these things are, are huge question marks, so I'm glad that uh, that the state board is dealing with that. This this is, well, actually, this was in the, you know, I wish it was us that this is something that is on Oh, this our, wasn't the state place, board? But, it, well, this this is from the House. Because first they have to legislate it to be law, and then okay. you know we, then we deal with the repercussions of that. So um, yeah, this came from House Bill 197. So I am so excited because the report card state testing and you know that that the uh, the the problem that isn't mentioned here, which we all know is Common Core, but the state testing and the report card is so linked common right. core so to say at this time that that we don't need it and this is this is like extra stuff that we don't need that is so awesome maybe we can go back without it next year yeah you and know I what would, that's <laughs> I, no, I would highly you, recommend folks i would to love that their, their people I, I totally agree. I totally agree, Lisa. Well, listen, keep us up to date on when uh, things get back going again, and let me know if there are going to be any uh, uh, other opportunities for people to hear from Medina County friends and neighbor guests like uh, like uh, Claire, maybe online or anything else like that. Keep us posted, okay? I sure will. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate it. Uh, God bless. Let's go to uh, Jerry in uh, Brexville. Jerry, go right ahead. Bob, I don't know whether you get to Plain Dealer or not, but the Wednesday edition of the Forum shows how stupid some of these people are and they don't really know how to interpret interpret president trump some of them are calling trump a no not a leader they say we need a leader i think he's done everything possible to be a leader and they say calling this uh coronada uh coronada a thing a hoax and i never heard him say that no, he didn't say that. And, Jerry, listen, my friend, you're right. You know who else agrees with you? Thank you for the call. You know who else agrees with you that he's a leader? America does. Sixty percent of the American population, according to the latest Gallup poll, say that the president is doing a great job dealing with the coronavirus pandemic and the economic fallout. You know who they think is doing a terrible job? The media. Because the same uh, uh, survey shows that the Americans think the media is covering it horribly. Thanks so much for the call, my friend. God bless. We'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.